We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go. Episode 444 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. And do you know who your commander's starting quarterback is? Uh, You may think that you know. I think that I know. But nothing is official. Not yet, anyway. That could change on Wednesday. I do know this. The commander's they are 5-5. Five and five. They are alone in 8th in the NFC. They are a half game behind the San Francisco 49ers for the NFC's third and final wildcard spot. Are just a game and a half behind the Dallas Cowboys for the NFC's second wildcard spot. And are next at a team that is 1-7-1. and one. The Houston Texans this Sunday afternoon at 1. Things are looking up. Not even a cold and rainy day on Tuesday can ruin your outlook if you are a Commanders fan right now. And as bad as the weather in the Washington, D.C. area was on Tuesday, I found it interesting that on Tuesday, it was hailing in the D.C. area. At least by me, it was hailing. So, the day after, the big 32-21 win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night, on a day on which we were hailing the Commanders. It was, in fact, hailing outside. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We, on Tuesday afternoon, had the day after the game Zoom press conference of Commanders head coach Ron Rivera. He addressed the Commanders quarterback situation, but did not give us a decision. Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz? Who should be the commander's starting quarterback? Who will be the commander's starting quarterback? I think that the answer to each question is Taylor Heineke. And I actually think that Ron thinks that too. And on Tuesday afternoon, gave us clues that that is what he's thinking. I'll explain next segment. Ron also addressed the significance of the commander's running game in the win at the Eagles and shed light on what was going on for the commanders at right tackle on Monday night as Cornelius Lucas and Samuel Cosme split time. So I'm going to get 
into all of that. Uh, and I'm going to discuss what Ron had to say about the commander's defense, including Ron not exactly being thrilled with his team's extreme celebrating late night on Monday night. You know, the commanders, especially some of the young defensive backs, celebrated on Monday night like the Capitals celebrated their 2018 Stanley Cup championship. I was half expecting to start seeing videos of Benjamin St. Juice and Derek Forrest swimming in the fountains in Georgetown. Uh, anyway, you will hear what Ron had to say about the celebrating late night on Monday night. Also on the show, I'll talk Capitals. Another loss for the injury-ravaged Caps. A 5-2 loss at the Florida Panthers on Tuesday night. And I'll hit on some college basketball. Both Maryland and Georgetown played on Tuesday night. The Terrapins improved a 3-0 with a 76-52 blowout of Binghamton at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland. The Hoyas fell to 2-1 with a 75-63 loss to Northwestern at Capital One Arena in the Gavit tip-off games. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback on the Commanders off the win at the Eagles on Monday night. Tweet from Edge on Taylor Heineke. So, Heineke starting next week, right? He's earned it. Tweet from Brian Young on Taylor Heineke. He is Joe Theismann part two. We got to roll with him and see where this leads. Jeez. Uh, email from Kevin Lunn on the Commander's win at the Eagles. Writes Kevin, Sly Eagles Sly. <laughs> sly Eagles Sly. Make the Eagles humble. Yes, Sheiky baby. Also, we need to bring back Position flex. I missed that soundbite on the pod. Yes, Ron, just like position flex. Huge win for the Skins. Keep up the great work, Alan. Let's win these next two very winnable games. Well, thank you for that, Kevin. Well done on the Sly Eagles Sly. Uh, Commander's kicker Joey Sly. What a job by him on Monday night. Four of four on field goals, three of which were 40-plus yard field goals, two of which were 50-plus yard field goals. A 58-yard field goal as time expired in the second quarter to give the Commanders a 2014 lead and a fourth quarter 55-yard field goal for a 26-21 Commanders lead. Joey Sly now is 7 of 7 on field goals of at least 50 yards over the last two regular seasons. 7 of 7. Uh, and yeah, here you go, Kevin. Some position flex. Position flex. Yes, Ron, thank you. Position flex. You know, Ron this year has not been saying position flex to nearly the frequency to which Ron said position flex in 2021. Now, speaking of Joey Sly, uh, email, <laughs> email from a critic of Joey Sly on this podcast, Dr. CCB, writes the good doctor, I know I've been hard on Joey Sly, calling him a bum every time he missed a field goal, so I'll give him credit for nailing 58 and 55 yarders on Monday night. <laughs> although both, <laughs> although both, looked shaky and warranted delayed raising of the arms from the officials, but the kicks were good. I love it. Dr. CCB sticking to her guns continues the doctor. What do the Skins do this week? Play Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz if he is cleared to come back. I'm thinking since it's a short week, and Heineke is managing games. Let's ride with him. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, yes, I will be addressing that 
next segment. But before that, did you know that right now is a sneaky good time to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area. Yes, true story. Prices are coming down. Moody's Analytics is predicting an overall year-to-year housing price decline of 6% nationally and about a 10% fall from the price peak this past June. Housing prices are falling. Now, actually, is a very good time to buy a home, even with the increases in mortgage rates. You could always refinance when the rates come down, and they will. If you are looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, if you want to take advantage of the current marketplace, contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L dot com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the current market, but he's not just some know-it-all. He is here for you to listen to you, to hear what you want, and then determine the best way of going about getting you what you want, no matter your age or situation in life. His website says it all, CloseItWithKell.com. Kellen Hunt is a closer. Kellen Hunt will close you buying the home that you want. And Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you the buyer get a piece of the action. If you are looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, if anyone who you know is looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, the name to know is Kellen Hunt. Take advantage of the current marketplace with Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book your call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Well, to Tay-Tay or not to Tay-Tay? Uh, that is the question. But is there really a question? For all of the talk about the choice that Commander's head coach Rod Rivera has to make on who his starting quarterback is moving forward. I don't know that there is much of a choice. How the heck does Ron not stick with Taylor Heineke? A. Taylor, over his four starts, in place of the injured Carson Wentz, has at the very least played reasonably well, certainly no worse than Carson was playing. B. The Commanders have gone 3-1 and one over those four games. C. Taylor's teammates love him and gravitate toward him and play for him. These things are as clear as can be. And D, Ron has a built-in excuse for not going back to Carson Wentz right now. And that built-in excuse is his injury. Uh, So Carson now is eligible to come off the reserve injured list as he has missed the mandatory four games. He's been on injured reserve since October 22nd due to a fractured ring finger on his right hand that he suffered in the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football. On October 13th, he underwent surgery for the fractured right ring finger on October 17th. Ron, if he wants, can simply say, hey, Carson still isn't physically ready, and Ron can stick with Taylor, and Ron can see how things go with Taylor. But what was especially interesting to me on Tuesday afternoon was that Ron, uh, to me anyway, seemed to be laying the groundwork for declaring Taylor Heineke the commander's starting quarterback for the rest of the season. 
We on Tuesday afternoon had a day after the game Zoom press conference for Ron Rivera off the glorious 32-21 win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. This was Ron on where he's at with who his starting quarterback is, and you'll hear Ron reference the commander's head athletic trainer, Al Bellamy. Well, we're going to see what happens this week. Um, We have not had an opportunity, I have not had an opportunity to sit down with Al and go through what the doctors have decided what they've decided. But the first thing I'm going to tell everybody is let's don't get ahead of ourselves because remember, we've got to return him to practice first and see where he is if he is cleared and ready to go. So we'll go from there, guys. And and, and be honest with you guys, um, when I do decide this and this is done, um, you guys are going to be the last ones to know. I got to inform people. I've got to talk, sit down and talk to Scott and Kenny. Then I got to talk to the quarterbacks, and then I've got to uh, talk to my football team, guys. Uh, so for the most part, you guys will be the last ones to get noticed, uh, notified. All right, so Rod Rivera, Don Ron, uh, came out swinging at his day after the game Zoom press conference on Tuesday afternoon. He got asked about the quarterback situation right away, and that was his response. Of course, it may be that the media will be the last entity to be notified by Ron about who Ron is going with that quarterback. But, you know, that doesn't mean that someone will not leak to the media who Ron is going with at quarterback. Once Ron starts telling people what his decision is, it is very hard to keep that decision from being leaked. Now, it is very possible that Ron Rivera already has made his decision. In fact, I think that he has. And I think that that decision is that Taylor Heineke will be the commander's starting quarterback going forward. And I think that a good bit of what we got from Ron on Tuesday afternoon was him laying the groundwork for this decision. Take a listen to this. Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on the factors that he'll be looking at in making his quarterback decision. And you'll hear Ron reference offensive coordinator Scott Turner and quarterbacks coach Ken Zampezi. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at the momentum. You have to look at, you know, what 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 the mood of the team is, obviously. There's a lot of factors that go into it. A lot of things that I'll have to discuss with Scott and, and Kenny, for that matter, um, which we'll be doing uh, a little bit later. And then, like I said, I, I still haven't sat down with Al and, and, and got the full report uh, and what to anticipate as far as Wednesday, Thursday, Friday going forward, uh, if everything's cleared. So Ron Rivera right there in addressing the factors that he'll be looking at in making his quarterback decision immediately brought up momentum and the mood of the team. Forget about whether those factors should be determining factors. That they are in Ron's mind is significant. And those factors right now clearly are on the side of Taylor Heineke. If you're talking about momentum, Taylor obviously has that right now with the commanders having gone three and one with him as their starting quarterback in place of the injured Carson Wentz. And if you're talking about the mood of the team, Taylor obviously has that in his favor with how much the team loves him. I mean, the Instagram videos of commanders players celebrating with Taylor on the team flight from Philadelphia late night on Monday night were wild. And I don't think that the players like despise Carson Wentz or anything like that. I just think that they really like Taylor Heineke. Heck, did you see or hear what receiver Terry McLaurin said about Taylor 
in Terry's appearance on ESPN's Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt late night on Monday night. Terry on Taylor, quote, I think we rally around him honestly. The heart he plays with, I feel like is infectious. I'm really happy to play with a guy like that who is gritty. You know what I mean? It's dirty. It's nasty. End quote. All right, so we have that cut that I just played for you from Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon as evidence, in my mind, that Ron, on Tuesday afternoon, was laying the groundwork to announce Taylor Heineke as the commander starting quarterback going forward. And we also have this, Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on if he sees this decision that he's making at quarterback different from previous decisions that he has made at quarterback during his tenure as Washington head coach. I don't. And, and, and the reason being is, you know, you, you look at what is best for the team. And at the end of the day, that's how it has to be. You know, you, there's a great saying that you treat everybody the same, you treat everybody fair, but you treat everybody according to the team. And, and that's what this is about. So the decision being made will be about the team first and foremost. Um, you know, and, and one thing that I've always done is, is whoever the starter is, you know, I'm going to commit to them fully. And and I because I don't want them looking over the shoulder. I want them to understand this is the opportunity and this is where we're going with it. So whatever the decision is made after you know my conversations today and tomorrow morning, that's what we're sticking to. Okay, so Ron Rivera, right there, quote, you look at what is best for the team, end quote. That certainly would seem to be something in favor of Taylor Heineke. And how about Ron also saying, quote, whoever the starter is. I'm going to commit to him fully, end quote. Boy, did that not sound like Ron laying the groundwork to announce Taylor Heineke as the commander starting quarterback going forward. Uh, Ron then got asked a follow-up question. Is his quarterback decision a decision for the long term or just a decision for this Sunday afternoon's game at the Houston Texans at one? That, that's regard with playing the games as the game as they come. Remember, everything's one game at a time. I'm not getting ahead of ourselves. We're going to focus in on, on on winning one game at a time. Um, you know, I've already seen stuff people talking about what happens the next two weeks and then going into the Giants. No, we can't get ahead of ourselves. We have to focus on Houston. And I said this yesterday. We'll come up against a very well coached team, very disciplined team. Coach Smith has a plan. He does things very regimented. Um, and he is he he is very steadfast in the way he does it, uh, which I, I really believe is is one of the right ways to do it. I was fortunate enough to be on his staff when we went to the Super Bowl, so I know he's a very capable head coach. So we're coming into this game with the right attitude. We got to make sure that we are. And it was notable that Rod Rivera, during his day after the game Zoom press conference on Tuesday afternoon, did as he did during his post-game press conference late night on Monday night, talked up the commander's next opponent, the 1-7-1 and Texans. Uh, their head coach is Lovey Smith. Uh, Lovey was the Chicago Bears head coach from 2004 through 2012. Ron Rivera was the Bears defensive coordinator from 2004 through 2006. That 2006 Bears team that won the NFC Championship had Lovey Smith as the head coach and Ron Rivera as the defensive coordinator. And by the way, the offensive coordinator for the 2006 Bears was Ron Turner, brother of former Redskins head coach Norv Turner and uncle of current commander's offensive coordinator, Scott Turner. 
Uh, I don't know how Ron Rivera doesn't stick with Taylor Heineke as the commander's starting quarterback. And, you know, there's a part of me that's actually sympathetic to Carson Wentz because he only has had six regular season games as the commander's starting quarterback. The sample size is very small. And the commander's offensive line was especially bad over those six games. And Carson did play well in three of those games. Carson played well in the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in week one. Uh, Carson ultimately played well in the loss at the Detroit Lions in week two, although Carson in that game was really bad in the first half before being really good in the second half. And Carson played well in the loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field in week five. It's not unreasonable to say that we've seen too little of Carson Wentz as a commander's quarterback, to know truly whether the trade for him this past March was, you know, the flop that the trade is being depicted to be. But, you know, right now, I don't know that any of these things matter. Taylor Heineke is doing a nice job. The difference between him and Carson this season has been, at worst, negligible. And the team has found a rhythm and a formula to winning with Taylor. I would be stunned if he's not the commander's starting quarterback at the Texans this Sunday afternoon. And I think that a declaration that Taylor is the commander's starting quarterback moving forward for the season may well be coming. Well, I just mentioned the Commanders having found a formula for winning with Taylor Heineke as their starting quarterback. That formula includes running the ball a good bit and dominating time of possession. We saw that during Washington's four-game winning streak last season. We saw this formula in the 32-21 win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night. Now, as I pointed out on this podcast last season, there very much is a chicken and egg phenomenon with this idea that Washington wins when it totals a lot of rushing attempts. What's actually the case is that Washington, when it finds itself leading for a good bit in a game, calls a lot of running plays. And when those running plays work, Washington ends up winning time of possession and ends up with a number of rushing attempts. Generally speaking, you in the NFL throw to establish the lead and run to preserve the lead. Washington, during its four-game winning streak last season, played with leads. That was the key to the winning streak, playing with leads. And the leads were largely functions of the defense playing well and the efficient play of Taylor Heineke. And that scenario allowed Washington to pile up rushing attempts during that four-game winning streak. Now, what was especially interesting about the Commanders' win at the Eagles on Monday night was that the Commanders, in a lot of ways, ran to establish the lead. The Commanders on Monday night totaled 81 offensive plays, 35 passing plays versus 46 rushing plays, 28 of the 46 rushing plays happened in the first half, during which the Commanders established a 2014 halftime lead. This was head coach Rod Rivera during his day after the game Zoom press conference on Tuesday afternoon on how the Commanders can duplicate their success in the win at the Eagles moving forward. And you're going to hear Ron immediately get into talking up the importance of the running game. Well, I think it's about acknowledging the fact that, you know, we, we ran the ball pretty well. 
Um, I, I know we ran the ball 49 times. I think we only averaged a little over three yards a carry, but, um, you know, there was some really good mixing it up in there. Uh, the reason a couple, uh, several of those carries were less than a yard, a little over a yard, was because we were in third and short a couple of times and we converted. Uh, we converted a fourth and one. Um, so when you, you know, you're going to have those, uh, we, we scored a couple of touchdowns on, 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 on goal to goes that were uh, from the one and two yard line. So your average is going to be off a little bit, which is fine. Uh, because we made a commitment to the run. I, 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 I like to play calling. I, I thought we mixed it up very well offensively uh, and defensively for that matter. But I, I really do think uh, running being the focus, we showed to ourselves how it can help, how it helps slow down a pass rush, a very dynamic pass rush a little bit, and how it, it helps with our play action as well. And Rod Rivera was correct in saying that the commander's rushing offense on Monday night was better than the yards per carry would indicate. The Eagles through week nine were number 27 in the NFL and run defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season. The commanders on Monday night adequately exploited this weakness of the Eagles, despite not finishing with like dominant stats in terms of basic rushing numbers. Uh, Running backs Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson combined for 40 carries for 130 yards. Uh, That works out to just 3.25 yards per carry. But the commander's rushing offense did some very good things, and you can't always judge a rushing offense by yards per carry. Like, Robinson and Gibson each had a one-yard touchdown run, okay? Obviously, that skews the yards per carry stat, even though each one-yard touchdown run was a successful run. This is a big part of why I so often use that Football Outsiders DVOA metric. It accounts for something like a one-yard touchdown run being a successful play. Uh, Robinson and Gibson on Monday night combined for a number of carries on which three yards or less were needed for a first down or a touchdown. So in other words, short yardage carries. And Robinson and Gibson did very well over those carries. And the commanders in Robinson, Gibson, and receiver Curtis Samuel totaled 44 carries en route to winning the time of possession battle by a whopping 20 minutes, 48 seconds. So it is accurate to say that the commander's rushing offense on Monday night was good. Uh, With Brian Robinson Jr., uh, crazy last week for him, right? With him being uh, shot multiple times in Washington, D.C. in that incident this past August 28th being invoked in a, shall we say, controversial statement that was issued by the public relations team for Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder last Wednesday evening, slamming Washington, D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine. Uh, I never felt that the whole statement thing was going to impact the commander's performance on Monday night. As I have said, I think that all of this distraction talk is way overrated. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on the work of Brian Robinson Jr. on Monday night. And you're going to hear Ron reference running backs coach Randy Jordan and assistant running backs coach Jennifer King. Well, I think the big thing about the the the, the statement thing was it, it you know once he was he was told about it it was okay that was interesting and I think that's where he left it categorized as interesting. I think the important thing and the focus was about running. Um, we talked about it, um, you know, talked about it with Randy. We talked about it with uh, with Jennifer, you know, with the, with the coaches, and then we talked about it with Scott. And we made sure that the running backs understood, you know, we were going to commit to the run. 
Uh, this was one of those games, and we were going to run the ball. And, and he loaded up for it, and he came with the right mindset and got after it. Yeah, running the ball clearly was a focus for the commander's offense at the Eagles on Monday night. A few other items regarding the commander's offense. So receiver Terry McLaurin, big game for him on Monday night. Eight receptions for 128 yards on 11 targets. And he drew a penalty in playing on 86% of the commander's offensive snaps. He was, in fact, the highest-graded commander's player Per pro football focus for the game, he registered an overall grade of 82.3 PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Uh, I mentioned Curtis Samuel. Uh, He was the third highest graded commanders player per PFF for the game. Uh, He had an overall grade of 76.1. Curtis, two receptions for 28 yards on four targets and four carries for 12 yards and playing on 64% of the commanders offensive snaps. How about that fourth down run? that Curtis Samuel had. Uh, The commander's fourth offensive drive, 16 plays, 86 yards, ate up seven minutes, four seconds off the clock, resulted in the Brian Robinson Jr. late second quarter, second and goal, one yard shotgun handoff touchdown run, the 13th snap of the drive, the snap right before the first half two minute warning on a fourth and one for the commanders at the Eagles 16. Curtis Samuel, a terrific two yard under center handoff run on which he made a great cut in finding a hole for the first down. Uh, The commander's offensive line, uh, the commander's starting offensive line on Monday night was Charles Leno Jr. at left tackle, Andrew Norwell at left guard, Tyler Larson at center, Trey Turner at right guard, and Cornelius Lucas at right tackle. Leno, Norwell, Larson, and Turner each played on 100% of the commander's offensive snaps. Norwell did play on every commander's offensive snap, despite being questionable for the game due to a groin ailment. Larson did play on every commander's offensive snap, despite being questionable for the game due to a back issue. But how about what went down for the commanders at right tackle? The commanders on Monday night, very interestingly, rotated Cornelius Lucas and Samuel Cosme at right tackle. Uh, Lucas started. He played on 51% of the commander's offensive snaps. He did commit a penalty. Uh, Lucas, in the third quarter, had a first and 10 five-yard full start penalty. Uh, Cosme, as a reserve, played on 49% of the commander's offensive snaps. And, you know, it's been interesting with Samuel Cosme because he, for each of the commander's three previous games, had been active but had not played on any of the commander's offensive snaps. And he, for each of the commander's two previous games, had been active, but had only played on special teams. And you wondered what exactly was going on here. Had Cornelius Lucas supplanted Samuel Cosme as the commander's number one right tackle? Uh, Cosme was inactive for two consecutive games, weeks five and six, due to a finger injury on his left hand. We, on October 4th, had multiple reports that Cosme had undergone thumb surgery that day. Well, here was Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on what exactly the deal is with the commanders at right tackle. Well, um, again, I, I, I like what we did this, this week. Uh, we were reintroducing Sam Cosme into, into, into playing in a, in, and getting him some, some, some reps to see exactly where he is. And uh, we'll evaluate that as the week goes. 
Well, this is not the first time this season that the commander's rotating offensive lineman has come up, but how often do you see that? An NFL team at an offensive tackle spot rotating two players pretty evenly in a game. Up next, I'm talking commander's defense, including the latest on edge defender Chase Young and Ron Rivera's thoughts on the over the top celebrating from commander's defensive players after the win at the Eagles on Monday night. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you would like to make more money and grow your business or practice, you can advertise on the Al Galdi podcast and reach thousands of people every episode at a very affordable price. Hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. The commanders for the 2022 regular season now are number 13 in the NFL in total defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Uh, Now, the Commanders had a rather uneven defensive performance in the 32-21 win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. On the one hand, the Commanders' defense wasn't great on a per-play basis. The Commanders allowed the Eagles to average 5.62 yards per play. The Commanders allowed the Eagles to go 5 of 8 on third downs. And the overall offensive output for the Eagles would have been much higher if not not for the commanders dominating time of possession. I mean, the commanders on Monday night ran 81 offensive plays to the Eagles 47. But on the other hand, the commanders defense on Monday night was a playmaking machine. The commanders generated a stunning four takeaways and three of the commanders four takeaways came in the fourth quarter. And the commanders generated these four takeaways, A, despite the Eagles having committed just three turnovers over the team's 8 no start to the 2022 regular season, and B, despite the commanders' defense having totaled just five takeaways over the team's 4-5 and five start 
to the 2022 regular season. This was head coach Rod Rivera during his day after the game Zoom press conference on Tuesday afternoon on what stood out to him regarding the commander's defense in rewatching the big win at the Eagles. Um, defensively, um, we, we, we fit the run well at times and other times we didn't. Um, you know, their formations gave a little bit of trouble. I think we over-adjusted for them individually. And I think, um, you know, the coaches got them on the sidelines, got those things corrected. Um, we were trying to limit their explosives. Um, we did give up a, a, a big, long pass. But because of the effort that we got from, uh, from uh, St. Juice and from um, Forrest, I, I thought, you know, causing the fumble and recovering it uh, really led to some good things for us. So, so there were a lot of positives that, that came out of this. And one of the biggest positives was safety Derek Forrest. Uh, He on Monday night had an interception and a fumble recovery and was the highest graded commander's defensive player for pro football focus for the game. Forrest registered an overall grade of 79.2 PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Boy, what a nice step forward second NFL season that Derek Forrest is having. Washington took him in the fifth round of the 2021 NFL Draft out of Cincinnati. He, in the 2021 regular season, played in just eight of Washington's 17 games. He was on the reserve injured list from September 1st, 2021 to November 2nd, 2021, due to a hamstring injury. But Forrest, in this 2022 regular season, has played in all 10 of the Commander's games. He is playing a lot, and he is playing well. Five Commanders defensive backs on Monday night each played at 100% of the team's defensive snaps. Derek Forrest, Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Juice, Cameron Curl, and Bobby McCain. Uh, By the way, corner Danny Johnson did not play on any of the Commanders defensive snaps of having played on 76% of the Commanders defensive snaps in the team's previous game, the loss to the Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field in Week 9. And the man who he replaced for that game, the benched Rashad Wild Goose, who in that game did not play on any of the Commanders defensive snaps, he for Monday night wasn't even active. He was inactive. Boy, there has been a high variance this season to who is and isn't playing at corner for the Commanders. When you think about the benching of William Jackson III, now the benching of Rashad Wild Goose, and now the benching of Danny Johnson. Uh, you just you don't know what to expect one game to the next. But, you know, in some ways, I actually think that that's a good thing because clearly defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio is tailoring each week's game plan to the opponent and to who Jack feels is best in trying to stop that opponent. You know, Jack's just not set on a lineup and saying, okay, this is what it's going to be. You know, this isn't set it and forget it. This is no game in, game out. I'm going to adjust who I play depending on what I think is best. I mean, you're also seeing this to an extent in terms of playing times for guys. You know, some weeks, some guys play a lot. Some weeks, some guys don't play as much. Uh, Well, not playing for the commanders on Monday night was edge defender Chase Young. Uh, He remains on the reserve physically, unable to perform list due to his recovery from a torn right ACL uh, that he now suffered more than a year ago. Monday was the one-year anniversary, suffered the injury in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on November 14th, 2021. Uh, The commanders this past November 2nd activated Chase Young to return to practice. They have until November 23rd to move him to the active roster. So time is running out. 
Uh, ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter on Tuesday morning tweeted, quote, sources, Chase Young, the former number two pick in the 2020 draft who was named NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, is expected to be activated this week to play Sunday in his first game since tearing his ACL and MCL in a game against the Buccaneers last November, a boost for Washington D, end quote. This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on what he's looking for from Chase Young before putting him on the active roster. The, the things that he's going to have to do in a game, he's going to have to do full speed. Um, he's going to have to have a little more confidence and really be able to stick that foot in the ground and work off of it and play off of it. Um, you know, and that was one of the things that, that we saw that, you know, we were a little concerned with. Um, you know, Jack hit the nail on the head. We're not going to expose him until it's time to. And, and I, I know, you know, the 21 days have been coming up pretty soon. Um, but our anticipation is we will be activating him at some point, though. Well, the opportunity to activate Chase Young is shrinking. Again, this has to happen by November 23rd. So if Chase isn't activated for the Commander's next game at the Houston Texans this Sunday afternoon at 1, then Chase needs to be activated for the Commander's following game home to the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday, November 27th at 1 p.m. Otherwise, Chase Young will not be playing for the Commander's at all this season. Uh, One more Commander's item the celebrating on Monday night. Commander's players, especially the young defensive backs, were going crazy in the commander's locker room at Lincoln Financial Field after the win at the Eagles. Uh, Dancing, yelling, taking videos, many of which have made the rounds on social media. Now, I didn't have a problem with this. Winning in the NFL is hard. The commanders have been through a lot. This was a big win. Enjoy it. That said, it is true (laughs) that the commanders ended up celebrating like they had just clinched a playoff spot. I mean, the celebrating was a bit over the top, and notably, Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon had a message for his younger players. Um, We've not arrived by any means, okay? And I'm going to get on my young guys tomorrow because with the way they were celebrating in in the locker room, the best thing it shows is that this is the first time they've been there. You know, people tell you, act like you've been there. Well, I'm going to give them a little grief for that. Um, I get it. I appreciate the energy and the excitement. Um, Now we have to understand, you know, act like you've been there um, because now they've been there. So let's get refocused. Let's get ready to to face Houston Um, because, again, it's a home game for them. Um, as I said, I, 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 I've always, you know, appreciated and respected the way Coach Smith does things. And I think our players have to understand that. Yeah. So how about that from Rod Rivera? Quote, we've not arrived by any means, end quote. And of course, he's right. The commanders haven't arrived. That win at the Eagles on Monday night was a big win. It was a great win, but it was just one win in the regular season to get back to 500, okay? Like, let's not go nuts with what the commanders did on Monday night. Rod Rivera on Tuesday afternoon then got asked what he has to see to know that his team has arrived. It's all about consistency. You know, we had a chance a week before last against Minnesota. We didn't close it out. You know what I'm saying? Um, Those are the things that, that, that teams that have arrived can do. They can close it out. Um, you know, we, we had a chance, we had a lead and we didn't do it this week. We had a chance, we had a lead and we did do it. 
So again, that's up, down, that's up. So we just got to make sure we, we understand, you know, to be a really good team this league, you got to be consistent. And the commanders will have a chance to establish some consistency with this game at the 1-7-1 Texans this Sunday afternoon at 1. Well, things are not going well for the Capitals right now. Uh, As we have discussed, the Caps have been bludgeoned by injury. So how much the current struggles mean in terms of how good the team actually is, is hard to say. But the Caps on Tuesday night lost in regulation for a fifth time in seven games. The Caps fell to 7-9-2 with a 5-2 loss at the Florida Panthers. Uh, Remaining out for the Caps were seven key players due to injury. Defenseman Dimitri Orloff and six forwards, Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, TJ Oshie, Connor Brown, Carl Hagelin, and Beck Malenstein. Uh, The Caps head coach Peter Laviolette was back. Uh, He was back with the team off a two-game absence that was caused by him being in the NHL's COVID protocol, although he, he may have wished that he was still in the NHL's COVID protocol with what happened on Tuesday night with this 5-2 loss. You know, this was an odd game from a puck possession standpoint. The final numbers were pretty even, including each team finishing with 43 shots on goal, but the Caps in a first period that they lost one nothing were horrendous. Uh, the Caps in the first period per natural stat trick had 14 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Panthers' 31, including a mere two five-on-five high-danger shot attempts to the Panthers' eight, and the Caps in the first period had nine shots on goal to the Panthers' 22. The Caps in a third period that they lost 3-1 dominated the puck possession battle. Uh, The Caps in the third period per natural stat trick had 34 five-on-five shot attempts to the Panthers' 13, and the Caps in the third period had 22 shots on goal to the Panthers' seven. So go figure. You dominate the Panthers in terms of puck possession in the third period, and yet you end up losing that third period 3-1. That, as the saying goes, is hockey. Uh, This was Peter Laviolette during his postgame session with reporters on Tuesday night. Even the second period, I thought it was much better than the first. We controlled our puck decisions better, and um, power play had lots of chances in the second. We couldn't seem to get it, get it through, but the third five-on-five, five, I thought we really pushed hard. I mean, I don't think we gave up maybe four chances, even strength in the last two periods, and they scored on three of them. So there's things, I thought we did good things defensively, but then there's breakdowns where we, you know, we should have and could have done something better. Yeah, it would have been nice if goaltender Darcy Kemper did better on Tuesday night. He allowed at least three goals for a fourth time in five starts. Uh, Kemper is having an uneven season so far of the Caps having signed him as an unrestricted free agent to that big money contract. The Caps this past July 13th, what was day one of NHL free agency, announced having signed Kemper to a five-year $26.25 million contract. But Kemper on Tuesday night stopped just 38 of the 42 shots on goal that he faced. He, per natural stat trick, stopped just six of the nine high-danger shots on goal that he faced. Uh, the Caps had a rough game on special teams, 0 of 1 on the penalty kill, 0 of 5 on the power play. You know, the Caps now are 0 of 21 on the power play since that spectacular power play performance in the 5-4 win over the Edmonton Oilers at Capital Win Arena on November 7th. The Caps in that game went 4 of 5 on the power play. The Caps since that game 0 of 21 
on the power play. Here was Peter Laviolette on Tuesday night on it. What's going on with the Caps power play? Well, we just got to stay with it. There was, like I said, there's probably eight or nine chances in the second period. And I got to go back and look at the third period as well. But, um, you know, right now, it's like we got to we got to find a way to score goals. Power play's got to get us one. And five on five's got to get us another one. And, um, you know, I just... I thought, I thought we played hard in the last 40 minutes and pushed to get that win, and uh, we couldn't seem to get ahead of the score. We couldn't seem to get where we wanted to go, and um, the first period, they were just quicker than us. A lot of that had to do with us and just fueling their transition with turnovers, but I thought we got it under control and had a chance at the game. Yeah, also with the Caps on Tuesday night, winger Alex Ovechkin, uh, he went pointless, had just four total shot attempts, although he also had a team-high tying four hits and finished number five on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 54.05. The Caps with Ovechkin on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 20 shot attempts versus allowing 17 shot attempts. Next up for the Caps at the St. Louis Blues, Thursday night at 8. And we had college basketball on Tuesday night. We had both Maryland and Georgetown in action. The Terrapins improved to 3-0 with a 76-52 blowout of Binghamton at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland. Terps have won three consecutive games, each by at least 20 points. First time that the Terps have done this since January 2011. Uh, the Terps on Tuesday night did go just 420 on threes, but held Binghamton to just 4 of 21 on threes. And the Terps dominated inside when 27 of 44 on twos had 48 points in the paint to Binghamton's 20. A very good game for Julian Reese. He, in just 26 minutes as a starter, had 19 points, seven rebounds, including four offensive boards and two blocks, went eight and nine on twos and three of five on free throws. Next up for Maryland, games this Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon in the 2022 Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off in Connecticut. Uh, The Terps will face St. Louis this Saturday afternoon at one. Meantime, Georgetown on Tuesday evening lost for the first time this season. We will not have an unbeaten season for the Hoyas. Uh, They fell to two and one with a 75-63 loss to Northwestern at Capital One Arena in the Gavit tip-off games. The Hoyas lost the second half by 14 points. 42-28 allowed Northwestern in the second half to go 8-15 on threes. Georgetown for the game went just 7-22 of on threes. Uh, did get a good game from Duquesne transfer Primo Spears. He scored 22 of the Hoyas' 63 points. He and 39 minutes as a starter, went 1-4 of four on threes, 8-16 on twos, and 3-3 three three on free throws. Also had six assists versus one turnover. Some good news for Georgetown in recent days. The Hoyas on Monday announced that Jay Heath, who went to then Woodrow Wilson High School in Washington, D.C., has been declared eligible by the NCAA to play this season. Uh, he's a transfer from Arizona State, uh, for which he last season started 17 of 28 games, averaged 10.6 points per game. He also has played for Boston College, uh, and he for BC in the 2020-2021 season averaged 14.5 points per game over 19 games, all starts. So this is a guy who can score. Uh, He's now on his third team in three seasons, but uh, another transfer, perhaps another key transfer addition here 
for Georgetown in this guy, Jay Heath, who did play on Tuesday night, 30 minutes off the bench. He went two of four on threes, three of five on twos, and one of three on free throws. He finished with 13 points, four rebounds, three steals, and two assists versus two turnovers. Next up for the Hoyas games this Friday and Sunday in the Jamaica Classic. The Hoyas will face Loyola Marymount in Jamaica this Friday afternoon at 4.30. And one more thing before we call it a show. Orioles manager Brandon Hyde on Tuesday evening did not win American League Manager of the Year. I thought that he had a real chance to win. Uh, He certainly was deserving of the award, but another guy who was deserving of the award won the award. Cleveland Guardians manager Terry Francona Hyde finished second. Uh, Former O's manager and current New York Mets manager Buck Showalter won National League Manager of the Year. That is Buck's fourth Manager of the Year award, and he has won one in each of the last four decades. Uh, Buck won American League Manager of the Year in 1994 with the New York Yankees, won AL Manager of the Year in 2004 with the Texas Rangers, won AL Manager of the Year in 2014 with the Orioles, and now has won NL Manager of the Year in 2022 with the Mets. Not bad. Uh, And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 445. We'll have a lot for you on the Commanders as uh, they on Wednesday are beginning their practice week for their next game. Yes, things move quickly when your previous game is on a Monday night. Five and five Commanders at the 1-7-1 and one Houston Texans this Sunday afternoon at 1. We on Wednesday expect to hear from head coach Rod Rivera and quarterback Taylor Heineke via post-practice press conferences. Also on Thursday's show, I'll talk Wizards. Uh, they on Wednesday night are home to the Oklahoma City Thunder at 7. And Bradley Beal is expected to be back off a five-game absence caused by having been in the NBA's health and safety protocols. So the Wizards on Tuesday afternoon announced that Beal will be available on Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. And and, and be honest with you guys, um, when I do decide this, and this is done, um, you guys are going to be the last ones to know. I got to inform people. I've got to talk, sit down and talk to Scott and Kenny. Then I got to talk to the quarterbacks. And then I've got to uh, talk to my football team, guys. Uh, so for the most part, you guys will be the last ones to get noticed, uh, notified. <laughs>